These are the dialogues of a peculiar character. My name is Thomas Gideon. Join me in chasing my peculiar passion for beer and brewing through conversations with the amazing and curious people who work in the beer industry. I look forward to sharing with you the fascinating stories about how and where beer is made and served, whether that is mere minutes or many hundreds of miles from my home. If you've enjoyed craft beer long enough, you might remember that in order to enjoy a brewery's own product on site before the tap and tasting rooms that have become so prevalent in many places, you had to take a tour. Maybe you got some tickets, maybe you got a take-home glass. In either case, you got a measured pour of just a few ounces rather than being able to order the pints that we now might take for granted. Now that we are able to enjoy tap and tasting rooms and the experiences there, what then should a brewery be doing with its tour program? So much of what happens on-premise is about customer conversation and education, not only building loyalty to a specific brand, but elevating craft beer consumption across the board in terms of what a consumer is looking for understanding what it is that they like in seeking out uh, the next beer that they might sample or what it is about a style or particular brew that they return to over and over again. I would submit that many breweries could learn a lot from the tour program that True Respite launched towards the end of last year from grain to glass. You don't have to take my word for it. I had the very great opportunity not only to take the tour, but to sit down afterwards to talk to the two people behind it, in the interview that you're about to hear. I'm back at True Respite once again to learn about a new tour program they recently started from the people behind it. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, to start off, since we have a mix of new and returning voices, can you briefly say your name and either remind us or explain to us your role here? My name is Bailey O'Leary. I'm one of the co-founders, and my role here is managing the tap room, managing events, really managing the retail side of our business. I'm Stephen Moore. I am one of the shift managers here as well as the manager of our tour program. Before we get into talking about the tour program, Steve, since you are new, what is it specifically about beer that called you to chase it? The, the atmosphere in a tap room. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, become friends with a lot of uh, people in the industry before I came to work on the other side of the bar and it was just the people in the tap room the people behind the bar the people that owned um these breweries were just some of the nicest and most honest people i've ever come across and that that sold me in and of itself on its on the industry so how did you come to 
that side of the bar. How did you join the team here? Uh, to be honest, I've been following True Respites um, on Facebook before they opened, and uh, I was following their progress and you know getting really uh, getting really excited for it. And I saw a post on Facebook that they were looking for they were looking for bartenders, and I think the post went out at you know ten thirty five on a on an, in an evening, and by nine thirty the next morning there was an email in Bailey's inbox with my resume and cover letter. What was your thought process? That exchange with Steve, and generally, how do you approach, since I think this is a topic we haven't dug into before, building that team on the front side of the house? So it was kind of funny. By the time we put that post up on Facebook, we had almost hired our entire team, but we just had like one more position that we needed to fill. So Brennan was like, let's go to Facebook, let's go to social media, because up to that point, we had received so many emails just from and resumes from people who had reached out without us posting anything. So we put the post up, we got, you know, a handful of people who contacted us, scheduled a few interviews with people. Um, when we met Steve, we noticed quickly that Steve was really interested in learning. Um, really, I mean, he obviously knew a lot about beer already, but one thing that we really liked about Steve was when he, when we took him on a tour, cause we did an interview with everyone and then we'd go on a tour and look at the equipment. And when we went to look at the equipment, Steve had his notebook out and was taking notes and nobody else had done that. So we thought that was awesome. Um, and we were really excited to have Steve join our team. Well, I appreciate it, boss. Thank you. Speaking of tours, fast forward from then to recently, a little while back, how did this tour take shape? How did it get started? Uh, well, Bailey called me into her office one day and said, hey, we really, really like what you've been doing with our, uh, our regular tour program. I know you like giving tours. How would you like to sort of take on running our tour program? And I uh, was a little speechless and very flattered um, and a little intimidated because, well, yes, I did enjoy you know, giving, you know, quick tours and teaching people a little bit about, you know, a craft that I'm passionate about, the idea of taking it on and and delving even into delving even deeper into the actual um, brewing process that some of the chemistry, some of the water chemistry, um, some of the more, you know, eccentricities around fermentation. I realized that a lot of that was outside my scope of knowledge. So I had a lot of time, I had to take a lot of time to study up and read up on my own before I felt before I felt comfortable being able to put together anything uh, more immersive. Um, the more that I thought about the tour and I, and as I started sketching out what would it be would initially be my outline, I wanted this to be sort of a twofold tour, a tour that um, people who've been to a number of breweries and been on the, the 20 minute um, look at our tanks tour, would have another would have another reason to come back and 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 see what we are see what we are doing and for those that are for those that are um, new to the field or new to you know really del- their desire to learn about craft beer is reasonably new the ability for them to really get a sense for what it takes to develop this product that is in their glass that they're carrying around with them and I hope and I'd like to think and I believe that we have been able to achieve both those. Uh, both those goals with this tour. Yeah, and to take a step back even further, um, educating consumers is one of the most important things as a craft brewery that we can do. That is 
one of the easiest and best ways to connect with your customers and to help them understand what we're doing and understand the difference between what a craft brewery is making compared to a macro brewery. So that's one of the best ways that we have to connect with our customers. And when we opened, we, we offered, you know, free tours and I was trying to come up with some kind of tour program, but was just drowning in so many other things that were going on that the best I could do was like set a few times during the week and put it on our website and say, these are the times we're doing a tour. And we did, Brendan and I scheduled and Brendan gave a tour training to our team members who were interested in giving tours. So we had people trained to give these free tours and, but we wanted to do more than that. And Steve just excelled at giving tours. I mean, the feedback I got was amazing. People were coming to me all the time, like Steve gave such a great tour. I learned so much. This was the best brewery tour I've ever been on. So Brendan and I were talking one day and I was like, we are not doing enough with our tours. We're just not like, this is such an opportunity for us. And we're not, I don't have, don't have the capacity or the capability to do it. Um, and we were like, Steve's been doing such an amazing job with these tours. Like, let's see if he wants to manage this and see what he comes up with. So that was, that was when we reached out to Steve and, and I asked him to manage that program because he has a real aptitude for educating people. And that's a huge strength. Well, I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate that I appreciate that Bailey. Um, it's and you're and I have to agree with you on the uh, on the premise of educating customers because I have found over the last um, almost you know soon to be ten months that we've been open that we're not just we're not just developing you know fans of true respite. We're developing fans of our craft, and as more and more um, breweries open up. In the future, we're hoping that those fans will continue to patronize us and, and then go out and encourage their friends and every, and, the, and their friends to then come back and try our beer, go down the street, go up the road, go into Silver Spring, try all these, you know, new craft breweries and make that the new, you know, make that the new staple. Right. Cause we're all in this fight together. I mean, it's craft breweries. I don't, I hate to say it's a fight, but it's all the, we don't compete with each other as craft breweries. We're not competing with each other. We're competing with the macro breweries. I saw an article this morning. I think craft breweries have like 13, 14% of the market share. There's so much room for growth. So I think that it's important for all of the craft breweries to work together to educate our consumer base and encourage them. You know, don't just come back to my brewery. Go try all the other breweries near us. Like go travel and go to the local craft breweries when you go travel. Um, cause we're all working together. We're all in this fight together. How do you know that you're succeeding at that? What are you already seeing or what do you hope to see that would tell you that that's the case that you're creating or inspiring a more informed, uh, more thoughtful craft beer drinker. Well, I've I've run into people that I've given tours to um, in the community at other breweries, at um, the at the food store, at something else, and I've over I've even when I've passively observed them, they're they're speaking they were speaking about craft beer at a higher level. They were talking to bartenders at um, some of our package stores with that have that have taps downtown Crown Gillies. Um, poor vino and hops and they have been um they were talking about beer with 
the bartenders at a at a higher level and that's a victory in and of itself to me if they're you know suddenly they know a little bit more about what goes into what they're drinking and they want to, and regardless of what they know but they want to learn more that that i think is the one that i think is the largest form of victory and it, this is a hard thing to measure but i think one one victory that I hope we start seeing more um, is when customers go to retailers who carry our product and they choose to buy craft beers as opposed to buying macro beers. Um, and that that would have a huge impact on our industry overall when people leave our tap rooms and they go to a retailer somewhere, a bar, a restaurant, somewhere that carries beer, and they choose to buy a craft product because they're educated on it. They understand what goes into that as opposed to purchasing a macro. It seems the way you're approaching this, though, that it's not merely sort of uh, being a, a standard bearer for craft. It's, I think you were touching on something about that conversation with the, the retailer, with the server. You feel perhaps maybe you're, you're elevating so they are better able to connect with what they like in craft beer, articulate that, and then seek out new experiences that are comparable to what they know they already like absolutely um that's you know build we are in a world of or these days it's all about being an informed consumer there are so many options for so many different items available to you and like bailey said we're not looking to compete with other craft breweries we want to educate all of our customers about craft beer in general and elevating their level of knowledge to what goes into the brewing process will allow them to make, in my opinion, better choices, not only about what, you know, buying a craft product, but buying a craft product that they realize that they like. And the more educated the consumer base, the more they're going to push us to keep trying new things and keep experimenting and continue to grow. Like we are not in an industry where you can stay stagnant. And the more customers know and the more they request things from us and talk to us about pro new products or new ideas, the more we have to grow to, to keep up with them, which is awesome. We want to keep evolving. That's that's fun. That's It's all experimenting and trying new things and, and learning. And we want, I mean, personally for us, we're still going to continue to brew more traditional styles. Um, we want to keep them on tap in the tap room, but we also want to evolve and, and try new things. I worry that there is a risk, even when we talk about flavor, about quality, about craftsmanship, it may still be a struggle for uh, a newly informed or an improving consumer to make sense of the market. Like independence matters. I think we're all here. You have the uh, Brewers Association seal of independence on your door. Um, you're very thoughtful about that. Whether it's part of the tour or the conversations that are sparked by the tour in your tap room. Um, are you seeing some confusion there? Are you seeing a moment where you have to kind of um, do everything that you just said so well, Bailey, but also like help the consumer think about um, the sources of said product, whether it's independent or it's a macro in disguise, as it were? I think it's a constant conversation. Um, there are definitely consumers who know what's going on, who understand the market, who understand who, which breweries are being purchased by a macro brewery, um, and have a full understanding of that. But, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into that and not everybody has time to pay attention to 
independent breweries and and understand the distinction there. So it's it's a constant conversation, and we'll continue to have that conversation with customers and let them know. Well, I was going to say, I'll take that answer and maybe go, or take that question and go a slightly different way with that. I can, I mean, every week, probably between three and six times, depending on the week and depending on how busy it is, I'll get a question over the bar, like, what do you have that's close to X? And that X is generally a macro beer, you know, product. And that's whether or not it's a craft macro beer product or a an actual craft product or an actual just general macro beer product. And it's it ke- it honestly keeps us on our toes because you know we it is then our job to look to know our tap list to go okay try this this and this or in the sense that if if we don't have at any at that one particular time something that's close to go okay well what flavors do you look for what you know and to take that conversation one step further you know what do you what do you like you know are you, do you like tart? Do you like sweet? Do you like, you know, do you like fruit? And be, try to, and be able to take, you know, someone who comes in looking for, you know, a light macro beer and to go, okay, well, that, uh, try these and tell me what you think. And that, I mean, there are days, there are days that we, that we nail it. And there are days that, you know, there are days that we strike out, but thankfully we hit, significantly more than we miss and that uh, that i believe can can lead itself and then then we at that point we have achieved a craft beer convert and we are and we are we have gotten somebody who's used to drinking one particular style or one particular beer to be willing to and to enjoy drinking a craft product and to understand why they enjoy that craft exactly so to feel better equipped to seek out more more of the same to bring it back to the tour experience and to get into a bit more specifics, what is it you feel and what uh, Steve has taken the lead on and developed really sets this tour apart from even the initial tours that you were doing or tour experiences someone might have at you know any other craft brewery that they stop in? So I think one of the first things that Steve did when he was thinking about this was try to remember the the greatest things that he had heard people talk about from other tours and also from tours that he had experienced himself. So I, I know one of the first things he said to me was, can we pull samples off of the fermenter or off the bright tank? Because, um, you know, I, I know, I think your dad did a tour somewhere yep. where they did that. He was and down, I, it was a brewery, it was actually a brewery just outside Atlanta. And uh-huh. he was down there for one of his cousin's uh, 50th birthdays and for months after they were for that weekend, he would knowing that I was in this industry, he would rave about being able to pull, being able to taste beer that was not done yet. Obviously, beer that would not, you know, fermenting beer is out of the question to serve to, you know, to to pull. But you know, to actually be able to pull unfinished beer and go, this is what we're working on. This is why we pull samples. It's not just fun and games to taste, you know, to taste new beer. But we're looking. What are we looking for? You know, what are we making sure that everything is okay? Are we adding flavor? Are we taking, you know, where, where are we going with why we pull from the tanks? And that was one of the things that he raved about. And I said, is there a way that we can incorporate this into a tour? Because I think it would be not only a really big hit, but again, evolve, evolve the conversation, move the conversation off of this is what this tank does to this is why we do what we do for this particular style of beer. 
And you get to beta test our beer. I mean, you're the first one to try it. That's. But when Steve said that, I immediately was like, you need to talk to Kenny because I'm not, <laughs> I don't have the authority to tell you to go pull something off the tank. Um, so that, yeah, I, but Kenny was, Kenny was great. And I think Kenny, you can talk to this well, better did, than yeah. I can, but. Well, no, he did. I went to Kenny with it and said, hey, this is what I'm trying to put together. And he goes, that's great. He goes, have you ever pulled anything off a tank before? And I said, uh, nope. And, uh, and he goes, cool, let me teach you. And it was, you know, five minutes, but I can do it safely. I can do it, um, with the appropriate level of sanitize, with the appropriate level of, uh, cleanliness and sanitization. But it, uh, the appropriate, you know, to be, to make sure that it's the, the rest of the product is still safe. Um, and it's, and it's a great experience for our, for our uh, customers to be able to go, cool, in three weeks, I have to come back because then this beer will be ready. Or we get to talk through, um, you know, why, why the beer tastes unfinished? What are we missing? What have we or have we not done to this product to get it to where it will eventually be? And I think one of the most surprise, well, one of the most surprising things to me, tasting something off of a fermenter before it's carbonated is how much carbonation can change the flavor and body of a beer. So I think that's really cool for people to get to try something before it's carbonated because it can transform a beer just to add carbonation to it. Absolutely. I mean, I can think of several beers that I, that I have pulled and sampled off of, off of tanks and go, wow, I'm not sure where, where that's going. And then suddenly have it carved and, and on tap and go, wow, this is, this is incredible. And it's, it's interesting to be, and again, that goes back to particular styles. So, you know, that means I go back to the books and I go back to Kenny and go, okay, why, why is this? So that if I do this on a tour, then I can, again, speak appropriately to what will be, you know, why they may go, wow, I'm not sure I like this to go, yes, but this is, these are the steps that we still have to do in order to make this something that we're going to serve to you. The timing too of when you do the samples off of the, the vessels seems like it would impart something in terms of the context of up to that point, you're talking so much about the process and a lot of tours jump all the way to the end. Here's the finished beer. And in your tour, you have that kind of check-in point, all the things you just said, but also the like, here's the proof of all of the process explanation of here's kind of the raw product, you know, pulling back the curtain as it were to see it like at some stage that most people might not appreciate. And then also being able to contrast it at the end of the tour with, and here is the finished product with carbonation or whatever effects or changes that the maturation at the end product might impart. Absolutely. And it's, um, it's fun to get to, because one of the things that I, I make sure to emphasize when we're talking about fermentation is the fact that it is a production choke point and that, you know, people ask us, why do you have so many fermenters? You only have one production system and one pilot system. Well, this is why. Because this particular beer has sat here for three and a half weeks. It's going to sit here for another three and a half weeks until it's ready to serve. And in all that time, I can't, you know, we can't use this tank. Um, and it's, and it, and that in and of itself is a big eye opener to a lot of uh, people who have taken, who have taken this tour. Um, and they, and then being able to try beer halfway through. And then they, I've seen, even though we just started this, uh, the weekend after Thanksgiving, I've seen people come back that have taken that, taken this, taken this tour and said, wow, it tastes so much different from when I tried it off the tanks to when I had it in the glass. And, you know, and then every, and then, you know, we get into a conversation about 
you know, what we were talking about on the tour in terms of conditioning, in terms of, again, CO, what Bailey was saying about CO2, um, enhancing and, our, and uh, articulating different flavors within the product. And it, uh, and it, and it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling for me behind the bar to be able to have that kind of conversation with a patron. What else do you think is unique to this tour? Definitely the guided tasting. That's exactly I've, what I was going to say. Yeah, I've never been on a tour anywhere else where they finish it up with a guided tasting and walk you through five different beers. Yeah, it was that was that was a bit of a, a dual brainchild between Bailey and I as we you know as we were sitting here trying to sketch out this program to be able to go okay so we're gonna you know we're gonna pull we're gonna pull five beers um, and they're gonna be it's gonna be a mix of it's gonna be a mix of whatever's on, uh, what's on tap and there may be beers that people like there may be beers that people don't but the uh, the idea is to educate them to the specific styles and. You know, I've had, I can, I can't, I can't even count the number of times I've had people come in and go, well, uh, or in general, but also on the tour that say, I don't like IPAs. Don't, don't get, I don't want to try the IPA. And I said, well, let me talk to you about it and then see if you want to try it. And then after learning about, you know, learning about the different hop varietals and when they were added and how much was added in, in order to get what kind of flavors or, you know, talking about the different water chemistries to try to, you know, accentuate a pillowy mouthfeel or a, a more juicy character, they tried it. And then nine times out of 10, they actually liked it. And again, one more check in the craft beer convert column. And it's, it's always fun when somebody tells you, like, these are the ingredients that went into it. Here's what you might taste. Here's what you might expect. And then you try it with a different expectation and you try it looking for a different flavor as opposed to just drinking it. You're really tasting it. And that's totally different. And it can change somebody's mindset and it can change how somebody experiences a particular beer flavor, especially if it's something they may not have liked before when they go into it with different expectations thinking what am I tasting what am I feeling it, it can just change the whole experience which is really cool no it's and it's it's honestly it's one of my favorite uh, parts of the tour to give because you get to see people's reactions up close drinking our product and it's and it and it's great because I I I personally will talk about the beer, but then I push for the, the participants in the tour to interact. What are you, you know, encouraging, you know, them, them to share what they're tasting, to share with each other. If the, if I have eight people or, or 10 people on a tour and they break off into two little or three little different conversations about what they're drinking, I have no problem with that. I'll circle them back when the next beer comes. Um, but I have no problem with them sharing that experience amongst themselves. You talked a bit about sort of your desire to learn. You talked about like the learning curve and then the education side of paying that forward. You touched on it. It sounds like there's another critical resource here. It sounds like Kenny's been very supportive of this and fairly accessible in terms of informing many aspects of this. Absolutely. Um, every question I had, every question I, uh, I hit him with, he answered back. Um, I'd, I'd grab him right before we left, coming in for a shift in the tap room. I'd send him an email. I'd send him a text message. And I would be 100% guaranteed that I will get the response back, get the knowledge back. I had the opportunity to look at his brew book and, and actually see the brew sheets. Um, it's like, you know, the brewer's Bible for what we've produced in the past. And uh, it to be 
to be able to, to be able to learn and to be able to read that and to be able to then take that information and impart it. Um, I think Kenny saw the value there. Um, and I appreciate the fact that he, you know, trusted us with our vision for this tour enough to be, to allow us to, to, to do that. How do you decide on scheduling the tour? I mean, your production, you talk about like, um, brewing classic styles, but you also talk about some experimentation and there's certainly, I think a lot of pressure in the market to have some turnover, some new ideas constantly in the mix. I think you guys have a good balance of that, but that's got to affect too, like what's available in the brights. Do you find that you're scheduling tours based on the production schedule or, or do you think it, it largely is relevant? So the tours, we decided to do them on the second and the fourth Saturday of every month. And it sometimes can be challenging when we have certain events or when we have, you know, depending on what's in the tanks at that time. But Steve's done a great job working around everything that's going on. And to be honest, there's always something in the tanks that I can pull from. Um, whether or not I can pull one beer off the, one, one beer off a of fermenter, one beer off a of bright, you know, two beers off of fermenter, you know, two beers off of bright, depending on what is where. Um, it's, I, I lead, to be honest with, with our production schedule and the fact that we are, for the most part, new beers are, are in production most of the time. It, I have a wealth of, um, I have a wealth of option to choose from. I've never, the, the big, the hardest decision I have to make before, you know, on tour day is what am I serving at the guided tasting? It is nothing really, it, I'm never worried about, am I going to, crap, I have nothing in any tank, you know, to pull. There's always something for me to work around with that. And with the guided tasting too, um, when we started, so the number of people on each tour has really been growing. So when we started, you know, the numbers were smaller and we could just pour flights for everyone and that was no big deal. But as the numbers on the tour have been increasing, we don't have enough flight paddles and tasting glasses to pour everyone their own flight. So we've had to kind of get creative with how are we going to get the beers back there. And I think we've got a pretty good system. It's been working really well. And I, I give all the credit to Bailey for being able to, you know, help out on the fly and, and make that happen. Um, and everybody, everybody seems really open to, uh, to how we're doing it. This past, we, uh, this past uh, run of the tour that we did, we actually set the tables up um, on our fermentation deck. And uh, just we were, at the, we were catching the tail end of the cornhole tournament and I didn't have the floor space. Um, to set the tables up, but it was kind of fun to be in and amongst, um, in and amongst the tanks as we're talking about this. I've got, you know, we have, uh, a couple of beers fermenting in the background. Um, some of them a little more aggressively than others, which led to, uh, <laughs> led to some yeah, interesting exclamations from some of our tour guests. But, um, but it was, but it was a great, it was a great experience. You're talking about that vigorous bubbling that happens with the the blow off. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and it can be a little startling when it's really quiet. Not that it's ever really quiet back there, yeah, but no. when it's like quieter, and then all of a sudden you get a big bubble. That's <laughs> can catch you off guard. I'm not sure which I'm not sure which beer it was, but it was definitely one of those uh, one of those sneaky ones where it would be quiet for three or four minutes, and then like uh, just this you know the big bubble a big bubble of CO2 would come up and it just blow water you know, all over the back of the pad. And obviously nobody was getting wet, but it was, you know, it was loud. It was, you know, it was surprising. It was, uh, as an industry guy, it was highly entertaining. I did feel a little bad. <laughs> you, you could set it up like a, um, like an aquarium show where you have a splash zone <laughs> around, around the blow-off buckets. Depending on where I have to put my tables the next time I run this tour, that may have to happen. <laughs> have there been other particular challenges that you've had to, to deal with in, in running this program so far? 
I think one challenge for Steve is that I keep scheduling events that coincide with when the tour's going on, which I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I would say, well, to be honest, I'd rather, I had, that wasn't even what came to my mind first. The first, the first part was about the fact that I was, was when we were talking about this initially in the, in the, you know, late to, or um, early to mid part of the fall was that I didn't feel that I had the, I didn't feel I had the industry knowledge. And I kind of scrambled. I put in, um, I put in a lot of late nights. I put in a lot of late nights and a lot of, a lot of post shift notes and uh, trying to make sure that I was not, I didn't want to ever be reciting from a script. I wanted to be, I wanted what I was teaching or what I was teaching our patrons to be things that I was comfortable knowing. And I came in, you know, an extra, you know, an extra 20 or 30 minutes early and I ran a production tour in a quiet space with no one around. And, you know, I would, I write down and, and practice what I'm, what I'm talking about with our beer and, you know, text Kenny and check with, and check on, you know, different beer styles and different brewing techniques. And all because I want to make sure that the knowledge that I'm imparting is truthful and that it's not forced because not only am I, am I looking to educate our patrons, I'm looking to educate myself as well. And huge props to Steve. He's done an amazing job. I had two people come off the tour last Saturday. They walked into the tap room, came right to where I was behind the bar, shook my hand, said the tour was amazing, and said that Steve should be a college professor. So he has done a great job. Don't let my parents hear that. They were convinced that I was going to be a teacher for a very long time. <laughs> Is that part of it, though? Is it that uh, preparedness for questions that might come in or being able to recognize that maybe somebody's struggling, they don't quite understand some part of the tour and being able to think a bit more on your feet about how to try to re-explain something or, or tease out what it is that they're puzzling. Absolutely. I mean, we do it, we do it all the time. Um, all of us behind the bar do that when, you know, patrons are talking to us about different flavors or what they like or don't like. But yeah, even on the fly in the um, on the tour, if I, it's very easy to keep, it, it's very easy to, um, get lost in, you know, what you're talking about, but keeping an eye on your patrons, making sure that, you know, all of the, all of the, it's not just the knowledge. It's also, you know, your, your general public speaking skills, being able to, you know, keep an eye on your patrons and see who you're losing and see who you've got. And then make sure that you're, you know, address them, bring them back into the fold. You know, if you have to back up and start a section over again or talk about, you know, a vessel one more time or a particular process, you do it. Um, because in my opinion, for every one person that looks confused, there are another two that are confused that aren't willing to say anything. And that's also why we give sort of a very varied range for how long these tours last. I will generally say between, you know, between 70 and 80 minutes, it's meant to be an immersive experience. But if we get people talking, if, um, if everybody's, you know, having, having a great time asking questions, it's going to run a little longer. And it, for me, that's okay. I've got nowhere else to be. You know, my, my goal is to, is to, you know, make sure everybody leaves feeling like they got, like they, they got everything out of it that they possibly could. Do you have specific parts of the tour, aspects of the tour that are your favorite? And if so, what are they? Oh, you're going first, boss. I have to think. I'm going first. Oh, man. I, that's a really tough question. I, I think that everything Steve has put together has been really, really awesome. I think, honestly, there's a couple of things that I really like that I think set it apart. 
We talked about the guided tasting. That's awesome. Um, we talked about pulling samples off of the fermenter. Uh, I think that that is really, really cool. And then another thing that I, I really love is that we send everyone home with a pint glass at the end of it. And I think that's cool. It's like you come here, you get to learn, and then you get to take a little bit, a little something to remind you of your experience. And I'm, I'm from Georgia. I went to college in Georgia. Um, and they just recently, as of last year, changed the laws to where breweries could sell their own beer in their tap room. Um, before it was all, you could sell a tour and give away free beer in association with a tour. But every time you went to a brewery and did the tour and got your free taste that came with the tour, you got the Tankobum pint glass. And I have so many pint glasses from the breweries down there. And I, that to me, it's like an emotional thing. Like I love being able to pull those pint glasses out. It reminds me of all the fun that I had at those breweries and going on the tours and, and having that experience. So uh, that's something I wanted people to get to kind of incorporate that. Like you go on our tour and then you get to take the pint glass home with you. I know I, uh, I have to agree on all counts, uh, Bailey, because again, I have, I can, op- I don't have the collection that you do, but I can open up my, uh, I can open up my cabinet, um, if I'm pouring myself a beer at home and be able to look and go, Oh yeah, I got, you know, I got this from, I got this from this brewery and I met these people there or, you know, I was at a, a tap takeover and got a, and got this in this class, you know, from, uh, from these guys. Um, but I, I feel like, the one, the one part, especially in the beginning that gets everybody is when we talk about water chemistry, when we talk about how we manipulate our Rockville tap water to make it as either as, uh, style specific, um, as, as we want it to be or as, um, region authentic, depending on if we're brewing an American beer or if we're brewing a Belgian beer, a German beer, a British beer, whatever it is. And when, we talk about the eccentricities of what we of how we manipulate the water. I see people's eyes light up, and I see people's eyes light up that aren't in the water microbiology, chemistry, or any industry. There's like, oh, you don't just pour regular water? No, you know. And to go back and to and to really you know educate them onto the you know the true the true chemistry that goes into even before to even before we get to mash in. Um, that I love seeing the looks on people's faces as we, you know, as we, as we go through that. Yeah. And a lot of people know we filter the water, but a lot of people don't recognize the amount of chemistry that goes into just getting the water to where you want it to be. And we're pretty lucky here. We have pretty soft water, so we can manipulate it in a lot of different ways and have a lot of fun with water chemistry. And, and Kenny's been experimenting a lot with that recently, trying to enhance the mouthfeel on certain beers. So that is, I mean, that's a great point. Water chemistry is something that not a lot of people, even beer drinkers, know much about. And it's a good entree into the complexities of the other three ingredients, because so it goes for water in terms of the control and the opportunity the brewer has. That's true of the malt, which Steve speaks so well of, the hops, and the yeast and the character that it imparts. Is that your favorite part, then? Is it the that kind of... Um, taking people into something they may not have considered and the delight in realizing that there's like maybe more to this product they enjoy than Absolutely. they first thought. I mean, I, I mean, I love, I love giving this tour. I, I look forward to it. Um, 
you know, I come in on a Saturday morning with a little bit of an extra spring in my step when I know it's grain to glass day. Um, and I love, I love seeing that, you know, the, the realization that, you know, this is, this is an artist's product. You know, I joke with Kenny and I joke with, you know, and I, jo- I joke with Kenny and I say, dude, you're half mad scientist, half magician. And if you've ever seen him at the end of a long brew day, you can definitely agree with me on that one. <laughs> but it's, but he's not wrong. Everybody that is a brewer is, is that, especially one who brews to the level that the brewers in Montgomery County do. Um, and it's, and to, to see that realization on people's faces, to, to see that they're, that they're downloading and considering everything that I am, that I am giving them, everything that I'm feeding them, that is, that in and of itself is my favorite part. You mentioned people coming back and taking the tour again. What is it specifically you think that people get out of the experience? Is it, is it just the fact that the production, the vagaries of the production schedule mean that they get a different sample? Or do you think that there are other things that they might get out of taking the tour again? The people that have had come back and take the tour a second time have brought friends and family with them. Um, as a, uh, you know, as an experience when everybody was around for the holidays and things like that. And that was, that was a really cool experience. Hey, we love this so much. We're coming back with friends and family to do it again. And I, they, they were excited by the new beers that they got to try. They were excited by the new items, um, that they got to, that they got to taste off the fermentation tank. And I think, and, um, one of the gentlemen came up to me and said, you know what? I must have zoned out during your last tour because when you were talking about, when you were talking about um, the way uh, the way um, hop acid molecules isomerize in the boil, they you know he goes I must have missed that and I'm like the fact that that is what gives us inherent bitterness in our beer. He's like I, I didn't I didn't know that's really cool. And so I mean I mean everybody does nobody gives a hundred percent of their attention a hundred percent of the time and you know you may come back and find something that you missed. And it's like watching a movie the second time. There are a lot of movies where you watch it one time and you're like, you're entertained. Like, that was a great movie. And then you watch it a second time and you're like, wait a second. I didn't even see that last time. Like, I didn't catch that really hilarious one-liner that he said. Or I missed, look at the foreshadowing that I got to see. It's kind of like that. Is there anything else at this point I haven't asked that you would like the listeners to know? Come by and take the tour. It's, it's a lot of fun to do. Um, and the more people that want to come out, the more, uh, the more, uh, dates and times will start off, will, will continue to offer it. Um, it's a great way to learn about craft beer in general. It's a great way to learn how True Respite does what True Respite does. And it's a great way to immerse yourself in an, a, an emerging and exploding business that will hopefully be, you know, five years, 10 years down the road, a significant part of Maryland life. And I also want to add, a lot of this stuff can sound intimidating, and it does take time to learn. I mean, you can't expect to come on one tour and fully understand the process and, you know, be able to go be a professional brewer somewhere. It, it's, it does take time to learn, and it can be, it can sound a little intimidating. But if you're interested and you want to learn, like, we will help you. We will help you understand. Like, we will bring it to a level that can help you understand. We are not, trying to confuse anybody or overcomplicate anything. Um, we want everyone to understand. We want to share it with you at a level that makes sense. And 
we want you to be able to enjoy your beer at a different level and, and enhance your experience with what you're tasting and, and just come hang out with us. Yeah. Bailey, I was going to say Bailey makes a, Bailey makes a great point. Um, I, you know, this is not a college lecture. This is, you know, one from one beer nerd to another, you know, come and learn, come and, come and, come and learn, come and experience. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and come hang out with us. Yeah. I know, um, there was a, a Budweiser commercial in the Super Bowl a few years ago that, and somebody brought this up in the tap room to me the other day that I was talking to them. I kind of forgot about this one, but they, it was somebody sitting at a bar and they're like, Oh, I'm drinking my craft peach sour fruited. I don't know. I don't remember what else they said, but it was something ridiculous. And, you know, maybe it would have been a good beer, but... I don't know. We brewed a pretty good peach sour. We did. We did. <laughs> but the way Bud Hi- Budweiser or Anheuser was trying to push it was like, oh, the frou-frou craft beer drinkers. We're not trying to be that. No. It's it's a fun product. There's a lot of experimentation you can do, and we just want everyone to understand it and enjoy it. So... If anything, we're a bunch of geeks in this industry, and <laughs> we and we love... And we, we're, we, you know, we're, we're part geek, and for the on the brewer side, we're part artist. And to be able to create different variations, you know, variations on a theme, different um, different ver- versions of different beers, and to make them work, um, I don't think you can call that anything other than artistry. What exciting things are coming up that you can talk about? Well, we've got a handful of exciting things that are coming up. Um, so on Saturday the 9th, we are... We are releasing our double New England IPA with Brookville Beer Farm, a collaboration with them called Convivial. And it was brewed with pineapple sage. It is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So that's going in cans. And we're also going to be releasing Scrum and Hooker, our nut brown, on the same day in cans. Award-winning nut brown, I might add. Yes, it was. A, it is an award-winning nut brown. Um and that same day, we'll be having an artist pop up so you can come in and grab some Valentine's presents and um, we'll have live music and grain to glass is happening on the night. So it is. It's come. another grain to glass day. We have pl- we have some spots open. Some people have uh, have jumped on uh, the pre-orders, but if you'd like to if you'd like to jump on it, it's on our on our website under the tour page. Um, please go ahead in and uh, and sign up. I'd love to have you on the tour. And there are a ton of other things that I could tell you about that are happening that are exciting. St. Patrick's Day. You should come here on March 16th. We are having St. Patty's O'Leary Palooza. And we're pulling from the O'Leary Irish heritage to throw a really fun party. So come hang out with us then, too. Where can people go online remind them to find out more about these events, anything else that's coming up, or more details about the tour? So www.truerespite.com. Um, you can find all of our events. You can book tours through the website. There's um, a drop down for tours, and you can find grain to glass tickets that way. And Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And your true respite on all of those? True respite on everything. Fantastic. Steve, Bailey, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, thank you Thomas. for coming. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. In the next dialogue of a peculiar character, I visit a local high-profile retail establishment to learn a bit more about how they came into existence and the role that they play in the local craft beer scene.
If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please send them to feedback at peculiarcharacter.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend about it. Please consider supporting the show financially by visiting patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash peculiarcharacter and become a backer. Patrons enjoy special behind-the-scenes access and bonus content. The support of my patrons is greatly appreciated. Until next time, chase what calls you. I would like to thank the Internet Archive for media hosting and bandwidth. The views expressed on this program are my own and where applicable those of my guests and in no way reflect those of my employer or anyone else. This show is produced from 100% recycled bits, except where noted... Permission to recycle those further is granted under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. That means you're free to change this show as much as you like as long as you don't alter credits and you share your changes under the same license. Theme music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0